1: You don't want it, you don't need it, but you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. The Pro Bowl kicker in his 12th NFL season to try to save the day for the Jets from 54. Good snap, good hold. The kick from Zerline is good. And the Jets have taken the lead with still five seconds left on the clock. Bartender, get that man a drink now. Nice job, Greg Zerline. Zerline saves Christmas for Washington football fans. Uh, A bit of an exaggeration, uh, maybe, um, but down the road it's possible we look back on Sunday, Christmas Eve 2023, as the kick that gave Washington a chance to draft its true long-term answer at quarterback. Because let's be honest with each other now. I think most of us can get there. Maybe not everybody, but it's become pretty clear that they do not have their future long-term starting quarterback on the current roster, right? I would add to that, I don't think Sam is anywhere near as bad as he's played in recent weeks, and I don't even think Sunday's loss was all about him. He got plenty of help. I still think he's got a future in the NFL. I do. It's just now so obvious after watching him start 15 games, and perhaps this last start being the last for him. Uh, More on that coming up. Um, But it's obvious he's just not a guy that has proven enough, despite the small sample size, and 15 games is a small sample size. I think he's not proven worthy of saying, you know, of anybody saying, we've got him, we've got the guy. Let's just focus on building around him and we'll be fine. No, he's not giving anybody in their right mind a reason to just ignore what will be a chance to draft a highly touted quarterback in the spring of 2024. If the pick wasn't going to be as high as theirs will be, maybe the conversation is slightly different but not a lot different. Because if they had one more win or two more wins, uh, but you know the performance was still what it's been the last few weeks, we'd be looking heavily, I would, at free agents, at potential trades, at potential trades moving up in the draft. I uh, hope everybody had a nice Christmas. Um, the triple header of NFL football on Christmas Day. Um, how about that Kansas City loss to the Raiders? Give Antonio Pierce the head job now. More on that coming up in the final segment of the show. The day culminated with the game of the year on paper going in. What much of a game last night, was it? The two best teams we thought in the league, you know, would go toe-to-toe uh, in an absolute, you know, 12-round war. Uh, but this one was an early knockout. I mean, what a performance by the Ravens. God, that organization. It really has been, and I think as long as Bishotti and company are there, we'll always be one of the true badass tough, tough guy organizations in the league. They went in to Santa Clara, the 49ers' house, and smoked the supposed best team in the NFL. Five interceptions in the game could have been more Four off of the NFL MVP frontrunner Brock Purdy, ending for all intents and purposes his chances to win the MVP. Um, Sam Darnold came in. Darnold came into the game and played pretty well. Uh, The Ravens' defense, though, just swarmed all night long. Man, do they hit. Both of those defenses hit. And Lamar Jackson accounted for just short of 300 yards and two touchdowns in their 33-19 win. Um, The Niners, they come here next looking to uh, get healthy off of that painful loss for them. They've got a win to keep their number one seed in the NFC playoffs intact. I guess not a great time for Washington to see them coming to town. But then again, perhaps it's the perfect time. Truth is doesn't matter one way or the other. Good time to play them, bad time to play them. It's irrelevant. Washington has near zero chance in terms of winning a game against the 49ers uh, Sunday in Landover, Um, regardless of who starts at quarterback. Hal, Brissett, you know, also irrelevant because Washington's defense isn't going to stop the 49ers from naming their number. Um, But on the quarterback decision for Sunday, um, after Hal got benched for a second straight week. This was Ron Rivera after the game on Sunday. Would you start Jacoby next week? Well, we're going it... to put everything in and evaluate everything. We'll, we'll you know, we'll come into the conclusion very early in the week. Now, the come to a conclusion early in the week did not mean today, Tuesday, the 26th. Ron just held a press conference and announced that the decision on a starter for the Niners game will likely come tomorrow, as in Wednesday, the 27th, the day that they take the field and begin serious preparation for the Niners game. Now, for me, I'm okay with whatever they choose to do at this point, to be honest. I guess I would prefer to see Sam go out and fight the good fight, not because I think there's a better chance that they lose the game to the Niners. There probably is, but I don't think I their quarterback is going to lead the team to a win over the 49ers on Sunday. But look, Sam's a tough competitor. We've seen that throughout the year. I don't think his confidence can get any lower right now. And if that's it for the season for Sam after 15 games, man, that's not a feel good going into the offseason. The only chance to get a feel good going into the offseason is to play. Um, What's obvious though now, I think, is that Brissette, gives the team a better chance to be competitive on offense. He's the better quarterback, period. I know some of you think Brissett is just stat compiling late in games, and what he's done the last two weeks doesn't mean much of anything. I would guess that most of you don't see it that way, but this email from Timothy, uh, who thinks Jacoby's results are mostly an illusion, I wanted to read. Kevin, you do realize that Brissett is stat-stuffing against teams that went soft. Let's not make more of Brissett than we need to. Sam hasn't played well, but Brissett would have been, it, but Brissett wouldn't have been that much better had he started the last two games. Uh, I did find this from Timothy from a few weeks back. Um, He wrote uh, in mid-November, Kevin, not sure what's taking you so long. We have our next Joe Theismann on the roster, and for some reason, you won't admit it or you don't see it. All your off-season bluster and nonsense about Sam being a fifth-rounder and the odds, LOL, he writes, aren't in his favor. Well, it looks like a long long shot came in this time. Um, Timothy, Timothy. It's time for you to man up, dude. Admit it. You can do it. You can say it. Um, At least admit, maybe, that Sam might not be the guy. I can't believe we're still doing this. We were doing this way back after the Buffalo game. Just admit that maybe, just maybe, he's not the guy. If you can't do that after the last five games, get your vision checked. Um... As far as the other nonsensical ramblings, the Rams and Jets, I think most of you know this, were not playing prevent. They weren't playing soft. You know, is it possible that they got a little bit more vanilla and more base defense oriented with big leads? Leads, Yeah, maybe. Um, but Brissett took the lead against the Jets from 20 points down. Maybe he wouldn't have been as effective as a starter against the Jets or Rams, but come on, it's obvious now. Brissett's a better quarterback than Hal. A lot of it because of experience, of course, but some of it is he's just better. But it doesn't really matter um, because he's not the answer either long-term. Um, also on Hal, again, Sunday like the Sunday before and the Sunday before that, it wasn't entirely his fault. He's been pretty bad, yes, But he's had plenty of help. Drop passes, Samuel falling down on the second interception. That wasn't Hal's fault. Should have been, you know, probably an incomplete pass. Um, He's on a team right now that's not very good around him. Brissett is, of course, better. And it's clear that Sam's regressed playing against better defensive teams. But I think it's also true that Sam didn't get much help. On Sunday against the Jets. Uh, on the decision for Ron this week, I think he's going to go with Brissett. Again, I don't have much of a preference, maybe a slight preference to put Hal back out there on Sunday. It can't get any worse than it's been. So, it's really the de- what's really the downside? I want to see him fight through this. Um, you know, he's got a lot of really good qualities. I'd like to be reminded of the good qualities to a certain extent, but. You know, as we've discussed all season long, he's got too many flaws and too many serious flaws and they've been exposed against some really good defensive NFL teams when earlier in the season some porous defensive teams didn't expose them nearly as much. A few of them are really problematic for his ability to be a regular NFL starter. We've mentioned these throughout the year. Maybe some of you are willing to be more open-minded to these. First and foremost, as Ron would say, he plays to his size. He's a shorter quarterback who doesn't play big in the pocket. You know. Secondly, and this is the biggest issue he has, he doesn't appear to process quickly enough, which limits an offense's upside and brings into play a disastrous offensive downside. You know, it makes him indecisive, which is what they've said a lot about him recently. And that indecisiveness leads to bailing on plays too quickly. And while he does make a lot of off-schedule plays that look really good, um, they aren't the plays they want him to make. Uh, They've got plays out there that they think Sam should be seeing and being decisive about. Um, and he doesn't make those plays and hasn't made them here in recent weeks. Sam said Sunday after the game that these games here recently won't define him. I believe him on that. You know, he's better than what we've seen here recently. Uh, but, man, the the defensive teams that they've faced recently versus those early in, earlier in the year have made a difference because there were good games. There were encouraging moments, but... Many of those came against lesser defensive competition. They just did. And the better defenses here recently have eaten him alive. Uh, And his confidence is shaky because of it. He does not look anything like the guy we saw when he was playing well. Um, You know, he looks now more like the guy we saw at times in the opener against Arizona, certainly in the Buffalo game, the Giants twice. And he looks shot mentally, and I think Ron's decision will be to sit him because of that. Uh, coaches always say they've got an entire roster to look after, and even though I said last week I didn't think that that was part of the decision-making Um, It might be now, you know, can they really evaluate the rest of the offense with Hal playing the way he's playing at quarterback over the last two games? Um, You know, in the next two games, meaning can they really evaluate the rest of the offense? I don't know that that's going to be the driving force in the decision, but I think they realize that Sam, um, his struggles, you know, could really be uh, a problem for an offense against a San Francisco defense and then a Dallas defense you know they gave him the shot against the jet defense and it didn't work out I also wonder if the enemy at this point says to Ron man I need some help here you know I need someone who can run my offense be decisive take what's there I need the rest of the league to see that I I can coordinate an offense. You know, Jacoby makes it look better. It makes you know he makes it look more professional, and I need that. That could be in play over these final two games as well. But my prediction is that Ron will announce tomorrow that Jacoby starts against the Niners, and you know he'll say that Sam needs a break and Jacoby has earned the right to play. Um, What he shouldn't say tomorrow, and you just never know. With 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 Rivera, what he shouldn't say uh, if he makes the decision to start Jacoby is kind of what he said about Dwayne Haskins back in 2020 when he demoted Dwayne to third string, and he said, "I've got 52 other players to be concerned about putting it all on Haskins publicly." You know, not that it wasn't true at the time, but with how, no reason to publicly knock him in the process. You know, subtly or, or not so subtly, and I don't think he will. You know, um, we'll see. Uh, They're not beating San Francisco with Brissett or with Sam, so I don't really think that should be part of the decision. Um, You could always call up Jake Fromm from the practice squad, give him the start on Sunday. Uh, That would certainly reek of an organizational move to ensure the best chance of losing, but again, I think they're going to lose to the 49ers regardless. Uh, The NFL is never uh, a given Sunday to Sunday, but this one... Seems like a given. Um, Meantime, look, the best news about Sunday was them losing to the Jets. You know, that the amazing comeback didn't result in an actual win. When they took a 28-27 lead, the possibility of a draft doomsday scenario was in play. But you knew that there was a good chance, even against Trevor Simeon, that the defense wouldn't hold up, and it did not disappoint. The Jets went 31 yards in seven plays, setting up the game-winning kick. And with the 30-28 to loss, coupled with the Patriots losing Sunday night in Denver, I'm sorry, the Patriots winning Sunday night uh, in Denver, um, Washington moved into the third spot in the draft. Yeah, they are now... As of today, picking third in the draft. Um, you know Somebody mentioned, how is that possible when Washington beat New England? Well, it's possible because for NFL draft slotting, the tiebreaker is not head-to-head. The tiebreaker is strength of schedule. The team with the easier schedule, which Washington has had compared to the Patriots, gets the higher pick because the thinking is the logic is they were 4 and 13 against an easier schedule that means they're even worse than the patriots who went 4 and 13 despite the head to head um so uh, yeah, the Skins end up um, with uh, the third pick as of now. There is still a chance they could go higher with two more losses. If the Cardinals can win one more game, not likely because they've got the Eagles on the road in Seattle, Seattle at home to finish up the season. Both those teams need those games. Um, but if they were to win one more, Washington would have the number two pick because Seattle's schedule is tougher than Washington's right now. Um, Carolina is right now holding the number one overall pick, but of course that it was traded to Chicago. So it's really Chicago, but it's Carolina's results that matter. Carolina, if they were to win their final two against Jacksonville and Tampa and Arizona Arizona were to win one more, Washington would have the top pick in the draft. I'm not expecting Carolina, even though they have played much better recently um, to win uh, two games. And I don't think that Arizona will want win one of the final two either. although it's possible they could, you know, they could they could get to the Seattle game and maybe Seattle's clinch their position um, in the postseason. And you get uh, you know, you get a game in which Arizona goes out and wins at home against Seattle. who knows? Um, but Washington right now, solidly in the three spot, two more losses and you know, you finish anywhere in the top three this year in the new regime, has a ton of options. And right now, option number one, I think is seriously considering drafting a quarterback. Uh, Real quickly, speaking of quarterbacks in the draft, did you see this on Caleb Williams from over the weekend, the current favorite to be the number one quarterback selected in the draft, the USC quarterback, the Gonzaga Purple Eagle quarterback? Um, He did something a lot of people do. He liked a tweet What tweet did he post a like to? Well, a Chicago sports fan with less than 100 followers on Twitter on X. Christmas Eve tweeted the following, quote, Only one option for the Chicago Bears in the 2024 NFL draft. Remember, Chicago has Carolina's first-round pick. Only one option for the Chicago Bears in the 2024 NFL draft. It's not Caleb Williams we want. It's Justin Fields. The answer is Marvin Harrison Jr., meaning we want to keep fields and we want to draft Marvin Harrison Jr. We do not want to draft Caleb Williams. Well, Caleb Williams liked that tweet, um, which indicates, more likely than not, that he doesn't want to play in Chicago. So Caleb Williams is taking some criticism for this, uh, just as he did when there was the report that he and his... Um, group of family members and advisors were uh, wanting equity in the NFL franchise that selected him uh, number one overall, or perhaps he would go back to school. Uh, my take on this is pretty simple. It has less to do with the apparent attempt to get the message out that he doesn't want to play for the Bears, and much more to do with him noticing the tweet to begin with, and then acting on it. Look, there is a maturity question that you want to have a feel for when you are a team When you decide to invest heavily into any player, but specifically a quarterback at the highest levels of the draft, there is so much due diligence on the personality, on the person that they are going to invest heavily in. And the maturity of Caleb Williams and every other player at the top of the draft will be scrutinized in so many different ways. And combing through their social media will be one of the top due diligence items. I think noticing this tweet and having it drive him enough to act on it isn't the best look for him. That's all. If I were an agent or an advisor, I'd tell all of them right now to get the hell off social media. There's no upside to it with NFL teams. It's not the real world. It provokes more than promotes. Uh, and getting provoked, especially if it provokes an answer that can be perceived as negative is so not worth it. Among many things, teams really want to see focus, maturity, thick skin, you know, and many other things as well. All things that social media interaction more often than not undermine. So I, you know, I, to notice that tweet and then act on it, even if you think it's just a minor thing, it will be a thing. That will be on the list of many due diligence items as teams, you know, investigate and thoroughly go through uh, what they are about to invest or not invest in, uh, in terms of players. All right, my game take from Sunday when we come back, right after these words from a few of our sponsors.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all.
1: Pay attention, here's Kevin's Game Take. The Game Take, brought to you by Window Nation. Call them at 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com, mention my name, and they'll take really good care of you. You'll get a free estimate, so you've got nothing to lose. And you'll get access to their best deal of the year, which is buy two windows, get two free. So you're paying half price on the windows and there's no limit to that part of the offer. If you need 4 windows, you'll pay for 2 of them. If you need 40, you'll pay for 20 of them. If you want to finance the purchase, 0% interest rates for 5 years. Window Nation gets it right the first time. 96% of their installs require no follow-up service. They make their windows here locally in the area. They measure them three times to ensure proper fit. They just get it right. Most of their installers have 16 years of experience minimum Uh, They will leave your home better than when they arrived at your home. You're going to save big on energy bills, 30% on air conditioning and heating bills, and your home will look much better. Call them at 866-90NATION or go to windownation.com if you've been thinking about new windows. I promise you it will work out for you. At least give them a first chance to make an offer. Get the estimate from them. If you don't like it, shop it. Um, If you do like it, shop it anyway and see if you can get a better deal. But I promise you, you're going to work with a first-rate company with a first-rate offer and product. Eight six six ninety nation or windownation.com. All right, what I liked, what I didn't like, and a few other observations from the game Sunday against the Jets. And then we'll finish up by just looking at the rest of the NFL weekend uh, in the final segment. So what I liked... I liked Chris Rodriguez. I've liked him, as most of you know, since training camp, since preseason. I also know that they have liked him. They have certainly liked his talent. Uh, 10 carries, 58 yards. He had back-to-back runs in the fourth quarter on that drive that gave them the lead, 28-27. They had a first and 15. He ripped off an 11-yard run. And then probably the run of the day for him, that 16-yarder where he tried to hurdle uh, the tackler. Um, He's got great vision, quick feet, and then he is so powerful. Uh, He does not go down easy. The 12-yard touchdown run, evidence of that. Um, You know, remember earlier in the year I mentioned that it was pretty much a given that if he was in the game, he was getting the football. It was almost a one-to-one ratio of snap counts to carries. Well, it's not that obvious anymore, but I went back because I was curious as to what that ratio was now. 97 snaps on the year for Rodriguez, 51 carries. 52.5% of the time, if he's in the game, he's getting the ball. Uh, by the way, some bad news after the game. He had an injured ankle, and Ron said today that he's going to have an MRI. So they re-signed Jarrett Patterson back to the practice squad. Because remember, Brian Robinson Jr. still not ready to go maybe, um, so they needed uh, Patterson if Rodriguez can't go against the Niners. But I really liked Rodriguez on Sunday against the Jets. I think he's a keeper for the new regime. Uh, On the list of things that I liked, Jacoby Brissett, of course, 10 of 13 for 100 yards and a touchdown. Before the final offensive drive of the game, which was three handoffs to make the Jets burn their timeouts with a 28 to 27 lead, he had gone five drives, five touchdowns produced in two games. The QBR uh, scale, which is a scale of 0 to 100, his QBR in... The two games in which he's played is 95. His passer rating, 158.3 is perfection, is 146.8. I mean, what makes him effective? Well, first of all, his experience allows him to see it, Uh, his size also allows him to see it. He gets it out quickly. He's definitely more mobile. We talked about this when they signed him. He's more mobile than most people think. He's capable as a runner, makes good plays off schedule. How about the play when C.J. Mosley grabbed his face mask? He got away and threw a great ball on the move to Jahan Dotson for 21 yards. That's evidence of his playmaking ability. Um, He gets through every read. makes uh you know throws uh to sometimes his third or fourth read. there was a third and four where he threw to Dotson. it was clearly like his third or fourth uh part of the progression the touchdown pass to logan thomas that's a ball it's got to be out on time it's got to be thrown accurate accurately and with velocity or it's picked off um worst case incomplete uh, in most cases he makes the perfect throw um, he, like a lot of quarterbacks, and Sam in particular, is excellent in the quick game. On that drive that made it 27-21, to 21, there's a quick throw to Terry for a big catch and run after uh, the catch of 29 yards. Next play, he goes quick to Bates for 11 He's looked really good um, in that quick game, uh, just like Sam had, you know, at times uh, previously. But he's looked good with everything he's done. And by, by extension, you know, he makes Eric Bienemy's offense look less worse than it's been. Uh, no doubt that the season-long development project of Sam Howell meant fewer wins for the team this year. And I'll just take a moment to say this. Going back to January last year when Ron decided that Sam Howell was, you know, a good deflection from all of the criticism he was getting about the end of the 2022 season, in particular the Browns game, the decision to start Wentz, the not knowing that they could be eliminated from the postseason when that game ended. From the moment he went with, you know, really liked Sam against Dallas, Sam's our QB1 heading into the offseason, this was a wish cast. He was wish casting. Nobody out there in Ashburn was totally confident that Sam Howell was like the long-term answer. They were all hoping, but they didn't know. You know, nobody knew. This was a theme for me in the offseason and in the summer. It's like, come on, man, how could you possibly really know? He played one game and it wasn't really a meaningful game at the end of last year. They didn't know. They liked some of his physical arm talent which, of course, in comparison to what they had had recently was a major upgrade. And they liked him personally, but they had no real clue as to how this whole thing would play out. You know, that's why Ron went out and paid $8 million for Brissette. Because if Sam couldn't do it, he needed a, needed a professional he could turn to. Um, ben Standing brought up an interesting hypothetical a few weeks back. I think I've mentioned it. But he said, what if the schedule had been reversed and they had played all of these better defensive teams early in the season versus late in the season? You know, what if they had opened with Dallas and then got the 49ers and the Jets, you know, and, and they had played some of these teams early, uh, this, you know, if the this schedule had been flipped? Well, you never know for sure, but more likely than not, we would have never gotten to the point where Hal produced enough good to keep them on the field. We would have likely gotten Brissett earlier, and who knows? You know, we would have gotten enough wins maybe to still be in contention for the seven seed, Um, but probably on the outside looking in, just because of the defense and the way it played all year, Brissett for more games would have led ultimately, I believe, to a lesser draft pick in April because they would have had more wins. So it probably worked out for the best. Um, for the new regime anyway, but Rivera in his last year decided to have his last season hinge on hope. Not the way to get things done typically. You know, doers usually outlast dreamers. Uh, Jacoby Brissett uh, was on the list of things that I liked from the game on Sunday for a second straight week. Also on the list of things that I liked How about the second-half defense? Not first-half, second-half defense. The Jets had 27 points in the first half. They got three in the second. However, we know that the 27 in the first half was a lot because of offensive and special teams blunders, setting up short fields. But the second half, three points, five punts, an interception. By the way, nearly another two to three interceptions as well. Um, The Jets were 3 of 9 on third down, had 110 total yards, averaged 2.97 yards per play. I mean, the Jet offense is horrendous. Trust me on that. Um, But still, the first half defense not good. The second half defense much better. Individually, I thought Barton, Hudson, Allen, Curl, K.J. Henry again stood out with some good plays. Second half defense on the list of things that I liked. Uh, Lastly, on the list of things that I liked, so I mentioned, I think, during the week last week that Sam Cosme had been the second highest rated guard over the last five weeks per PFF in the entire league. I watched him just a little bit more closely on Sunday at times. I thought he played well again. I think Sam Cosme is a definite keeper for the new regime. And that jet defense is one of, the, one of the best in the league overall. You know, I think the offensive line actually held up pretty well considering that. All right, list of things that I didn't like. Uh, how about just the start to the game? One of the worst I can remember. Interception. Punt blocked. Dropped kickoff. Start at the nine-yard line. Bad punt. Fumbled punt. Penalties mixed in. Bad defense. 17 to nothing before you even knew it. The Jets had one touchdown all season long. The Jets had one touchdown in the first quarter. They had two on Sunday. They scored 27 points in the first half. The Jets did. They are a bad offensive football team, and they had 27 at halftime. Um, Yeah, that start to that game was embarrassing. Uh, Specifically, the special teams just overall. They're next on the list, highlighted. Blocked punt, bad punts, fumbled punt return. Did I miss anything? Terrible day for the special teams. But you know what I didn't mention? I didn't mention a bad snap. I don't think I saw a bad snap. Also on the list of things that I didn't like, the first half defense. 246 yards they allowed to the Jets in the first half. They were screened to death all day long. Screen pass after screen pass, they couldn't figure it out. Brees Hall had 125 combined yards in the half. I love him as a player. Garrett Wilson had 8 catches for 65 yards in the half. Trevor Simeon, who's not very good, 15 of 26 for 131 yards and a touchdown in the first half. Again, you know, The offense and special teams' ineptitude set up short fields. Um, But even when there weren't short fields, the first-half defense gave up too much. The Jets only punted one time in the first half. They lead the league in punts. They had only one in the first half. Again, starting field position because of because of Washington's offensive and special teams gaffs had a lot to do with the punt totals, but the defense rarely got off the field in the first half. You know, if not for Trevor Simeon mishandling a snap and fumbling, if not for uh, Conklin lining up on a fourth and one and getting stopped on a sneak, uh, the defense was, was bad in the first half. Also on the list of things I didn't like, drops, you know, Samuel – Thomas on the drive, although on the Thomas drop, which ended up being picked, I've got more on that coming up when I talk about Sam Howell. Um, Bates dropped a few. um, Too many for an offense and a quarterback in Howell that needed more help. Drops were a problem. Next up on the list of things that I did not like, Sam Howell. Another rough day for Sam. He didn't get much help, as mentioned. Two interceptions uh, for Sam. Interesting on both of them, I think. The second one... Curtis Samuel just falls down, uh, or trips and falls down. Uh, That ball does not get intercepted if he doesn't fall down. Uh, The first one, which actually people chalk up as a drop by Logan Thomas, yes, he could have caught the ball. The ball was drilled, I mean, fired in there from, what, six, seven yards out? I don't know. I thought there could have been more touch on that. Um, but, you know, Sam wasn't helped out uh, in this game. I don't think he was helped out by his offensive coordinator in this game. You know, this is a game in which Sam enters in a bit of a confidence crisis. How about, you know, let's not, you know, let's not drop him back. Let's not throw the ball on every play. Seven of the first nine calls, pass plays. Then on their third drive, they finally get to the run, and Rodriguez goes for 14 yards on back-to-back carries. And then what do they do? Three passes, punt. There's a third and inches, all right, in the third quarter from their own 15 yard line. And Sam's in shotgun throwing to Curtis Samuel. The ball gets batted down. Jahan Dotson lined up offsides anyway. Come on, Eric. It's third and inches. Give the ball to Rodriguez. Run a read option if you want him in shotgun, whatever. I mean, remember in the Thanksgiving Day game and Tommy came in and was so upset that they were in shotgun, he thought it was completely, it was grounds for for never hiring Eric Bieniemy to do anything anymore. And I said, Tommy, watch football, man. Fourth and one, fourth and two, half the league's in shotgun. It's not quite half, but it's close to half. But I don't know, third and inches from your own 15, you need a first down, you need a new set of downs. and. He's in shotgun trying to throw the ball, backpedaling to Curtis Samuel, who was totally covered. There was a third, Nate, in the first half where Sam got pressured. He he was hit. The ball fluttered into the air. It was lucky that it wasn't picked off. But uh, Adam Archuleta, who, by the way, was outstanding on the broadcast. I think we had him earlier in the year uh, as well. I think he's very good. He pointed out all of the options for Sam were long-developing routes. We have had this before. We're on, you know, third and long in particular. Where's the check down? There wasn't one. You know, the offense hasn't been tweaked enough to accommodate for Sam's limitations, in my opinion. Maybe that was never the point of the exercise anyway. Um, But anyway, besides the help he didn't get, he didn't help himself at all, and he hasn't for the last several games. The bottom line for him is the things we don't see as they do um, when they look at the film. He's not seeing the field. And because of it, he bails out of the pocket too quickly a lot of the time. Archuleta pointed this out, and clearly he pointed this out even before it started to happen a lot, which means the conversation with Biennemi and with with Rivera before the game or with Rivera before the game probably focused on you know, he's not seeing things, so he bails too quickly because um, Archuleta pointed that out multiple times. Um, but they don't get to the things that they believe have been there. You know, they, they just don't. Um, and Brissette does, as we've seen the last two weeks. The Jet defense is outstanding, and I would never hold a bad performance against that defense as a, as a tell-all, be-all. Uh, but Sam couldn't find the ocean from a boat on Sunday. Seriously. 6 of 22 for 56 yards, the two interceptions, as mentioned. Um, That is just bad, you know. But this performance really uh, coupled with the last game uh, against the Rams. He's now gone 17 of 48 the last two weeks. That's a 35.4% completion percentage. His QBR the last three games, 20.1 against Miami, 28.1 against the Rams, 1.7 on Sunday against the Jets. That was his passer rating too, 1.7. In his last three games, he's thrown for 285 yards. That's it. Remember when some out there were drooling over him leading the league in passing yards? He's 11th now. He still leads the league in interceptions with 17, sacks with 60, batted passes with 18, his QBR is 23rd, his passer rating is 27th, Sam's thrown two touchdown passes in his last five games while throwing eight interceptions. Not all the interceptions are on him, but still, the numbers now over 15 games with the good defenses worked into the evaluation are abysmal. Numbers don't tell the whole story, of course, they never do. But numbers aside, the eye test hasn't been a good one. It's been pretty ugly over the last month and a half. Not even sure really a grade is necessary for this particular game. But let me just add that while even in his overall worst games this year, there were some good plays to point to, I'm not sure there were any in this game. Uh, lastly, on the list of things that I didn't like, why at this point in the season, like if I really cared about them winning the game, why at fourth and three down 17, nothing at the jet 46 yard line, are you punting? I mean, come on riverboat, Ron, it's fourth and three. It's at their 46 yard line. You're down 17, nothing in a completely meaningless game. I would bet you the analytics said go for it, whatever. The Jet defense against Washington's offense, a bit of a mismatch, understood. But he punted it. Okay, whatever. Um, A couple of other quick observations, and then we'll get to uh, the finish of the show, which will include just wrapping up the NFL weekend uh, that was. Um, Washington's last offensive possession was three runs, uh, forcing the Jets to call two timeouts. There was the two-minute warning mixed in there as well, and punt. They did not – if I had cared about them winning the game, I would have been absolutely apoplectic about the way they handled their final offensive drive. And they were trying to win the game. Understand that. They ran Rodriguez up the middle for minus one. They ran Rodriguez up the middle for one yard. And then on third and ten – Um, they ran Gibson up the middle for two yards. Like, they didn't once, after Jacoby Brissett had been 5-for-5 on drives, going back to the Rams game, they didn't once allow Brissett to throw the football. It was almost a little bit suspicious that they were going to give the Jets the ball back with another chance to win the game. Uh, But I don't believe it uh, that the suspicion would lead to anything because I think Washington was legitimately trying to win the game. Uh, And I'm glad they did what they did and they gave the ball back to the Jets. I just think that in most cases when your offense had just gone – touchdown 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 and the quarterback that had led those three touchdown drives now is five for five on touchdown drives that you would have given him an opportunity on that final offensive drive with a 28 to 27 lead to throw the ball to try to end the game but they did not um Uh, Burgess, number 32, had a great tackle on special teams on a punt return, I think it was, kickoff return. I noticed him. He's number one in Pro Bowl voting. We all think that the voters have gotten uh, confused with Jeremy Reeves and Terrell Burgess. Um, Lastly, uh, this is just a real, you know, this this is minutiae at the highest level. But I did notice something at the end of the first half that I just wanted to mention. The Jets had an intentional grounding penalty called on them with about 45 seconds to go in the first half. Washington had one timeout left, and the ball went from the Jet 29-yard line all the way back to their own four-yard line. And they were given the option of calling a timeout to save 10 seconds or allowing a 10-second runoff. Of course, at that point, with a 27-7 lead, they did not opt for the timeout to save 10 seconds. They said, go ahead, run the 10 seconds off the clock. And then they had a second and 40 from their own four-yard line. Shouldn't the defense get the option of saying no 10-second runoff when it's a penalty by the offense, intentional grounding, loss of down? Shouldn't they get the option of saying, no, 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 no 10-second runoff? And because it was a penalty, the clock stops, put it back to 45 seconds, Make them run a second down play, we'll call a timeout. Make them run a third down play and maybe, you know, fourth down from their own two-yard line they'll have to snap it to their punter in the end zone or something like that. I don't know. But shouldn't the defense have the option of saying when, an, when, the, offense, when the penalties on the offense to say doesn't really matter what they decide, we're opting for the non-10-second runoff? Um, I don't know. Maybe they did have that option and they just decided not to take it. Uh, for all I know. Okay, Uh, when we come back, we'll quickly go around uh, the Saturday-Sunday NFL slate. Uh, I have strong feelings about Antonio Pierce and something that Cooley shared with me that I will share with all of you, if I haven't already, when we come back right after these words from a few of our sponsors. This final segment of the show brought to you by MyBookie. Go to MyBookie.ag, use my promo code, KevinDC, and they'll give you a cash bonus on your initial deposit. Five and four smell test uh, this weekend um, when you include the Saints game uh, as well. Uh, That was a loser. Then Saturday, I had the Chargers Saturday night. uh, Had South Alabama. That was an easy winner. They were laying a big number. Troy, nowhere near a winner. And then Sunday had the Vikings. They almost got it done. Um, The Falcons. How about the Falcons behind Taylor Heineke uh, and company on Sunday? He had a very good game, and they stayed alive in the playoff race, beating the Colts 29-10. Made no sense that they were favored by 2.5 in that game. They crushed uh, Indy. I had the Panthers. They came back and covered. Had the Patriots Sunday night, and I think I mentioned on the show on Friday, um, Friday that uh, I liked the Patriots to potentially win that game outright against Denver, which they did, which was helpful to Washington's draft position as well. And I had the Cowboys plus one and a half. Some of you had it at plus two and, and pushed, uh, but a five and four overall. Uh, weekend um, when you include the Saints game from Thursday night. Uh, I had no bowl games today. I would have put those out earlier had I had any of the bowl action today. There may be some bowl action tomorrow. Okay. Um, there is a chance. And if they, there is bowl action tomorrow, I will tweet it out. So follow me on Twitter or check me out on Twitter at Kevin Sheehan DC. The military bowl is tomorrow. Um, Virginia tech Tulane up in Annapolis. Um, it's always a, a, a great day up there, uh, for, that particular bowl game, which really now has you know some history to it uh, as well. But if I have any smell test picks for the bowl games tomorrow, I will tweet them out before the first kickoff tomorrow, which is at two o'clock, which is the military bowl in Annapolis. Uh, mybookie.ag, they've got all of the point spreads up for this weekend's game. I've seen the Washington San Francisco game be off the board in some spots. My bookie right now has the Niners as 13 and a half point favorites with a total at 48 and a half. So, I, you know, the situation with Purdy last night and then obviously the Washington situation being up in the air, it's possible that line will change. Um, I have seen it off the board in spots, but my bookie's got it up. My bookie's the best. Uh, fair point spreads, fair pricing. You'll get paid if you win. Totally worth it. Mybookie.ag. Promo code have to use it to get the cash bonus is Kevin DC. So I want to start with this Antonio Pierce, I think, should be hired by Mark Davis and the Raiders. Uh, Cooley told me, if I didn't mention this, about a month ago, Cooley said to me Antonio Pierce was one of the smartest. And best teammates he had in Washington. And that goes back to Cooley's rookie year, uh, basically. Um, uh, First two years in the league. Uh, And they made a mistake by letting Pierce go to the Giants. But he said Pierce was incredibly smart, had incredible leadership ability. um, And he said to me, like three weeks ago, he said, I bet you anything that they fall in love with Antonio Pierce and he gets that job. Uh, It certainly looks like there's a chance because the Raiders, since he took over for Josh McDaniel, are now four and three. But, you know, the three losses were all games in which they had chances in. But beating the Chiefs on Christmas Day at Arrowhead and making the Chiefs look so, so awful offensively, I mean... The Chiefs ended up with 300 yards of offense. That was it. Mahomes was 27 of 44, got sacked four times, had a totally low for him QBR number at 31.6. And they won that game, and they are still alive for an AFC wildcard berth. Actually, they're still alive in the division. If they were to win out, if the Raiders were to win out by beating the Colts and Broncos, and the Chiefs, and this is not likely, although with the way they're playing, who the hell knows? I mean, they have lost four of their last six games. They play Cincinnati at home Sunday. They finish with the Chargers on the road on, Jan- on January 7th. But if they were to lose those two and the Raiders were to win those their two, the Raiders would win the AFC West. And the Chiefs could be out of the playoffs altogether. Again, I don't think the Chiefs are going to lose out. I don't, but man, that was an impressive performance by the Raiders, who listen to this, if you didn't see this. Aiden O'Connell, I liked him coming out of Purdue. He was nine of 21 for 62 yards. All 62 of his passing yards, first quarter. He didn't have a passing yard after the first quarter. Zamir White rushed for 145 yards. Um, just an amazing and odd win but at, at 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 there wasn't a point in the game in watching that game where i didn't think that the raiders deserved to be where they were in that game which was with the lead um yeah the raiders i wanted to start with that I, antonio pierce by all accounts, has made a case with everybody that is that is around him now. And if you ask anybody that's been around him in the, uh, in, in the past, they love him. Remember, that was kind of the beginning of the tough stretch. I mean, that 2006 offseason with Washington is one of the worst ever. You know, Ryan Clark, Antonio Pierce, players that were just crucial for them. Uh, and they went out and signed, by the way. Adam Archuleta, who was on the call of the game yesterday, and I thought was was pretty damn good on the call. All right, um, real quickly, the Saturday games. How about Pittsburgh and the offense they generated with Mason Rudolph? Amazing. I mean, Tomlin, you're you're, you're writing them off. They're done, uh, and they score thirty-four. They had twenty-four at halftime. Uh, they beat the Bengals thirty-four to eleven. Uh, Jake Browning really, um, in some ways, in the same way, Josh Dobbs kind of. You know, got to that point where it was like, ah, that's who you really are. Jake Browning, three interceptions, and none of them uh, were pretty in that game. The Steelers, right back in the thick of it for uh, a potential wild card. And then the Chargers really pushed the Bills. One of the reasons I love the Chargers was, A, everybody was on the Bills expecting a blowout win, and B, the Bills had had that emotional win over the Cowboys. They were expected to win, and they needed a last minute drive and a walk-off field goal to beat the Chargers 24 to 22. Seahawks stayed alive uh, and they did so, man, when they were in trouble. Man, Tennessee's played so well at home, but um, give Geno Smith some credit because it had not been a great game at all. And in the final two drives of the game for Seattle, 10 plays, 96 yards to take the lead 12 to 10. Then when they um, fell behind uh, in the game, uh, 13 to 10, excuse me. When they fell behind 17, 13, 14 plays, 75 yards touchdown. The Seahawks get to eight and seven. Geno Smith, 227 yards passing, but the, t- the, the two drives at the end of the game after they had done very little were so, so big time for him. Uh, so Seattle remains alive. The Lions clinched their first division title since 1993. They beat the Vikings 30-24. to uh, Look, the Vikings, you know, I have to mention you-know-who. They have not been the same since you-know-who got hurt. They had, you know, the brief fleeting moment from Dobbs. Um, I mean, Nick Mullins had four bad interceptions in this game that were crucial. He threw for 411. Justin Jefferson was back. Um, but the Lions won the game 30-24. to uh, with that defense, the way it played, and it hasn't played great in recent weeks, but with Brian Flores doing what he did to that defense this year, had Kirk stayed healthy, honestly, I think the Vikings would have been not only a playoff team, but perhaps a division champion for a second straight year. Um, the Panthers are playing better, just uh, as a quick aside. So is Bryce Young. He threw for 312 in this game. You know, everybody, CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, it's over. The conversation's over. It's not over. Uh, Bryce Young threw for three twelve against that Green Bay defense um, and two touchdowns, and they rallied and had a chance, and Green Bay uh, had a late field goal to win it thirty three thirty. 30 The Flacco thing continues. I mean, they had no kicker and no punter in the second half of that football game. I don't know if you heard about that, so they were going for a lot of fourth downs, but Flacco had like 250 at halftime in the game. He threw for 368 and three touchdowns. He had two picks. One of them wasn't great, but one of them was because they had to go for a fourth down at the end of the half because they didn't have a kicker, and he just put it up for grabs in the end zone on the last play of the half. Um, An 87.2 QBR for Flacco, and the Browns are 10 and five. They crush Houston. Thirty-six to twenty-two, and they did it without a running game again. Cleveland's been known uh, as a team that's had good running um, back situations, even with you know um, Chubb out and guys like Ford in. They have not run the football since Flacco took over. They had like fifty yards on Sunday. They had twenty-nine against the Bears, and yet uh, with Flacco, they are a three-and-one football team with the Jets on Thursday night. The Baltimore win keeps their. Uh, basically eliminates their legitimate chances to win the division, um, but the Browns likely going to be a very dangerous wild card team when we get to uh, the playoffs. How about the Buccaneers and Baker Mayfield in particular? Mayfield is lighting it up, and their defense is good. Trevor Lawrence got a little bit banged up in this game. Jacksonville sinking, Tampa Bay soaring. The Bucks have won four in a row. They out the Jags, and now they've got a massive game against the Saints, and then they finish with the Panthers. It's looking more and more like is going to be the division winner and maybe a dangerous 4C division winner out of the NFC South. Baker Mayfield, listen to this in his last few games, okay? He's having the stretch of his career right now. Um, Sunday against Jacksonville, 26-35, 283, two touchdowns, no picks. A one sixteen seven passer rating, a 90.4 QBR. Last week, he became the first quarterback in history to be a road quarterback with a perfect passer rating at Lambeau Field with 381 and four touchdowns, a 158.3. The week before that, two touchdowns, no picks, and a comeback win and a final drive win to beat the Falcons on the road. This guy in the last three games has eight touchdowns no picks has an average qbr of 79 and a passer rating of 121 baker mayfield with the stretch of his career right now and tampa is good on defense to begin with mike evans also man big part of that. Um, And then, you know, the two games Sunday, uh, late Sunday and Sunday night, the Dolphins beating the Cowboys, man, you know, they're just, for me and watching Dallas, there's just too much self-infliction at times with them. Had a couple of penalties that that were disastrous for them. They lose 22 to 20. They just needed to stop. That was a hell of a drive that gave them the lead. I had Dallas. I was rooting for Dallas. I had them plus one and a half, and so when they took that drive, uh, took that uh, long drive, went down the field, um, and that drive on the Brandon Cooks touchdown was seventeen plays in, in in seven and a half minutes, but they couldn't get off the field on defense on that final drive, and Jason Sanders kicked his fifth field goal, and the Dolphins beat the Cowboys twenty-two to twenty. Cowboys still without an impressive road win all year long. They get Detroit Saturday night. At home. Uh, Detroit still fighting for seeding for sure. Uh, And then in that nightcap, uh, Christmas Eve night, the Patriots gave up a 23 7 lead. And then the Broncos had the ball after scoring twice and converting two two point conversions to tie it, but they couldn't get it done. And then the Patriots had Chad Ryland kick a long field goal to beat the Broncos on the final game, uh, final play of the game. A just a soul crushing loss for Denver who had really fought their way back from that 1 and 5 start to be in playoff contention they got bl- they got blown out by the lions last saturday and then they lose to the pats at home It doesn't look good for Russell Wilson sticking around with Sean Payton. There's definitely a disconnect there. And then yesterday's games, you know, already talked about the Raiders-Chiefs game. Giants played competitively again. Finally benched DeVito, brought in Tyrod Taylor, um, and they lose 33-25 to the Eagles. Eagles still not looking great, uh, but they got a big win. They needed it. Uh, And then last night, the Ravens just kicked the 49ers' ass. I think the one thing that was interesting about the game is that Purdy, it wasn't just the four interceptions. He was just off, accuracy-wise. And I don't know why they went away from the run. I know they got behind 32-12 and felt like they had to throw it, but McCaffrey averaged 7.5 yards per carry, had 103 yards and 14 carries. Um, It looked early like we were going to see a back-and-forth kind of fight. Um, There was that safety with Lamar Jackson stumbling over the referee and the official in the end zone. I don't know, man, when Jackson's running around like that and he's going backwards, uh, sometimes (laughs) shit happens. Um, People were really blaming the ref for that safety. Um, But they're part of the field uh, by rule. But I thought what was really interesting, too, with the Niners is that Darnold came in, and that offense, I know that they had a big big deficit and they were coming back. But, man, I don't know that there's a – Purdy's better, don't get me wrong. But I bet you if they had to go with Sam Darnold all year, they still would have been one hell of a football team. I like Purdy, though. I think Purdy's good. Like, he's a quick-processing, get-it-out-quickly, you know, game-managing, more than that, and that's not a, that, that's not, it's not a criticism. Uh, most quarterbacks that are really good are good game managers as well. But, man, he had a rough outing, and he lost the MVP. Any chance, he was the favorite, and it's over. After a performance like that in front of a national audience against a good team. And the Niners, that looked, you know, they looked so unbeatable. Now it's the Ravens that look that way. Um, the Ravens have won five games in a row. Um, one of the teams, they, they finished with the Dolphins and Steelers. That game against the Dolphins right now, a game that really probably will determine the number one seed in the AFC with you know the Chiefs at nine and six and the Jags at eight and seven. It's the Ravens at twelve and three and the Dolphins at eleven and four. So this is really for the one seed this week. Um it's a one o'clock game too. They should have moved that game uh, uh when they could have with flex with flex scheduling. But um Baltimore uh, blew out the 49ers and were life and death with the Rams. And that's the last thing that I just want to mention is the LA Rams They are playing really good football. They have won five of six with their only loss being to the Ravens who destroyed the 49ers. They have the Giants, and then they finish with the Niners, the Rams do. I think if the Rams get into the postseason, they are going to be dangerous. And right now you're talking about potentially as the sixth seed, and that may be a first-round matchup with Matt Stafford's old team, Detroit. That would be fascinating, right, in terms of a first-round wildcard weekend um, playoff matchup to see uh, potentially, by the way, Flacco at some point against the Ravens in the postseason. That's a possibility. But we may see in weekend number one, we may see Stafford against the Lions. All right, that's it for the day. Back tomorrow with Tommy.